Hey everyone, welcome to the Huck Church Podcast. You're listening to episode number four. My name is Eunice Park and my husband Eddie and I started Huck Church with the vision to create a safe community for people to really rest, learn, and grow. We're located in the heart of downtown Fullerton and want to welcome any locals to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. We have an amazing time of worship, getting to know each other, learning from our lead pastor, Eddie, and always, always provide lunch. So please join us and stick around. So on this podcast, you'll hear the audio version of our weekly sermons, and the current series we're in is titled Vision. If you guys are ready, let's dive on in. Story really is not one day this, this happened to me. That's just a story. That has no power. It's when the, when the story has created um, for you to say, uh, because that happened, I am this. Because I failed that class, I am dumb. Because I got divorced, I am unlovable. Because I uh, made that one mistake, I am that is when the story anchors itself and we have this attachment and belief and we are straight about it. Okay, like, right? That, that, that's what limits us from getting to our vision. It's very restraining. I'm glad you're laughing at some, some of those horrifying traumas that we can talk about in the okay? Um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. We can have fun here. Okay? So, we're going to talk about that. And I want to talk about past because there are several people in the Bible, arguably I'll say heroes in the Bible, that have a past, have a very bad past, and yet somehow overcame that past or dealt with that past to become the hero that we see and know them for in their legacy. So I'm gonna we're gonna briefly go over maybe a few of them, okay, maybe four of them really quickly, and then land on one at the end. Can we do that? Are we ready to do this? Alright. So here's the question. How do we overcome our past? We're gonna look at this. Five heroes the Bible, okay, with a past, okay, Moses, okay, Moses, who is Moses? He is the Martin Luther King of Judaism, right? He led entire people out of bondage and slavery and suffering out of this dictatorship of, of Pharaoh, and he led his people, right, into the promised land. He is that person. He is, the, he, he is known in the Bible as the most meek and humble man. He spoke with God face to face, the greatest prophet of all time before Jesus, right? That is Moses' legacy, right? But do you know he had a past? Yeah, he had a past. He has a temper problem, okay? He beat down on an Egyptian that was messing with one of his boys. And guess what? His temper got so beyond him, he murdered the Egyptian. So his past... He's a murderer, right? Cold blood killer, alright? That person became, you know, what if you found out that Martin Luther King shot a white guy before he was Martin Luther King? That would cause, how can he become Martin Luther King with that type of past? But yet we see Moses overcome this, this identity of it. Instead of, I am a murderer, I am a servant of God. And Moses, that's another, that's a story. But here hero past overcome Ruth. Okay, Ruth. You know the story of Ruth? Okay? Ruth was a Moabite woman, right, who Jews do not like, married a Jewish man, and guess what? Her husband died. And guess who she's stuck with? 
Her mother-in-law. So not all men are like, so what, right? Like men are kind of like, what is that? Why is that traumatic? Okay, so woman, right? If your husband died and all you have in life left is a covering of your mother-in-law, that's scary times, okay? And especially if the ethnicity of your mother-in-law intensely hates your people, okay? That is a problem, okay? But, ins but instead, we don't see Ruth like, I gotta get out of this situation, or throws herself a pity party all the time, saying like, oh, like this, is, this sucks, I can't believe my husband died, and I'm stuck with this crazy, depressed Jewish lady, like, you know, I have nowhere else to go, or else I'm gonna get killed, or sold into prostitution, are you, like, it's probably what could happen, right? So she didn't, she didn't have that story about herself, but instead, she became the savior of her family, if you read the story of Ruth, and she's a grandmother of this tiny guy named King David, who became the greatest king in the history of Israel. Okay, Ruth, yes, with a past or pain. Okay, number three. Okay, Peter. Now, Peter, before he was Peter, he was this guy named Simon, who grew up in this small town in Galilee. Okay, and in, in Capernaum. And if you are a little Jewish boy, you are raised to be like, you're raised to be a rabbi, a Pharisee, you're trained from the, from the get-go. It's like, oh my goodness, like, I just see all these, like, Chinese-speaking schools here all of a sudden, like, growing, you know, warriors here in Fullerton, like, we're going to be overcome. I'm trying to, like, teach my son Mandarin a little bit so he can survive these powerful Chinese people in Fullerton. Anyways, so, um, and there's all these, like, like, you know, there's all these academies in Fullerton that are teaching, like, five-year-olds how to code and program? <laughs> My, my son has no shot. This is this he's gonna be a fisherman, right? He's, he's not gonna make it, right? So it's Simon, okay? Simon, he, he he studied hard, but he never got drafted to be a Pharisee and rabbi. So guess what? His past, he's a loser. He's a failure. He never made it. He never got into state school or uh, UC school, right? Right? I mean, all the Asians, right? You see, it's painful, right? You get left behind a little bit. So Peter, okay, Peter, and Peter ends up what? Becoming the founder of the largest movement in Christendom. He, be, he, he, he preaches once, and actually, you know, he has even more past, right? He betrays, he betrays the person that our faith is all about. Jesus, he betrays and denies him, right? He has this past, but it doesn't, he overcomes it with the past. No, it is past, okay? Number four. Okay, Mary... Magdalene. Now, I pick her because I have to do some cleanup. Now, you might have you might have um, grown up in church with a tradition that Mary Magdalene is who? What do you know about Mary Magdalene? She's what? She's a prostitute. There's no Bible verse that says she's a prostitute. Yeah, but so I feel really bad for this woman. Because there's millions of people throughout history that they chose a prostitute, okay? Mary Magdalene, there's no evidence that she is a prostitute of any kind, okay? Because there's three women. There's Mary Magdalene, there's Mary uh, of Bethany, who washes the feet of Jesus, and yet there is another woman who washes the feet of Jesus, who is a prostitute. Now, I'm going to write this down so people seem confused a little bit, alright? There's Mary, alright? Mary... Magdalene, Mary of Bethany. This 
is Lazarus' sister. Okay, everyone follow me? Bible nerds? Got it. I, got, I, I knew it's for you, by the way. And, and there's a uh, woman. Woman? Alright. <laughs> right? This person washes feet. This person washes feet. Right? And so, what we do, because you, you had terrible children's pastors, not like myself, I was an excellent children's pastor, and told my kids about this stuff, but we have grown up and completed that, oh, this person washed Jesus' feet, and this person washed Jesus' feet, this is the same person. Mary of Bethany is the adulterous woman. There's no evidence that Mary of Bethany was an adulterous woman. And then we see Mary of Bethany, and then we see Mary of Bethany. Oh, hey, they're both named as Mary. They're the same person. Do you see how that happened? It's like a rumor, it's like a telephone bump. Wrong. Okay, bad. You learned something in church today, okay? So, uh, there's no evidence that Mary Magdalene uh, is this person, very far from this person. It's possible that these two are the same, but again, it's possible two women wash Jesus' feet, okay? Like, it's very, very possible that that's happened, okay? Doesn't mean that they're the same person. So, but this for sure is not. Follow me? Okay. I just, you know, like when I get to heaven and I meet Mary Madden, I hey, I vouch for you. I cleaned you up your name. And, you know, all the people think you're a prostitute and this, this dirty crap. But no, I, I defended you, okay? So, this is for her, alright? I'm a feminist there. Okay, Mary Madden, okay, she has a past. But she doesn't past. The past that we do know about her, Mary Madden, the only thing that we know about her life is that she had seven demons cast out of her. Okay? Seven demons, okay? Literally, did she have seven demons? We don't know. Is it just a, a, is a, is a, is it a phrase to represent that she just had a lot of demons? Like, demon possession is just crazy? I don't know. But, uh, let me just do a disclaimer, okay? My, my interpretation and the, the view that I hold about demon possession, it is a way that for the ancient world to process to label mental illness. Does that make sense? Okay, that is my personal, you do not have to hold that, alright? You can think, you know, anyone that has demon possession of the Bible is like the exorcist, like throat vomiting, like you can, turning gray, you can have that position, but in my personal interpretation position, demonic possession is as a label and a way for people in the ancient world to process bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or personality disorder. Does that make sense? Okay, that is my personal, you do not have to hold it, right? But that is my explanation. So, Mary Magdalene went from being the seven demon lady, the schizophrenic, bipolar, never trust anything she says, she's a little crazy, right? To being the first apostle, the first witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ. No one saw Jesus resurrected except her. Right? She was the first person. And everyone had to go off of her witness and her testimony. The crazy lady with the demons that you can never trust. And you know, she just has all these stories. So again, that's another amazing part of the irony of the story of um, the resurrection of Jesus. And Mary Madeline is a hero because without her, we wouldn't know. And the disciples would Alright, now this is the last person I want to uh, land on with a past, okay? And this person uh, is the Apostle Paul. Alright, we're more familiar with Apostle Paul. Everyone else is kind of like, you have to be uber nerdy to know some of the past, how they overcame. So I want to I use someone that we kind of all 
No one resonated with Paul. Right? Paul had passed. He was a guy named Saul. Very good class. Okay. And then he saw, and what was his main function when he was Saul? He was the Gestapo. Okay? He pulled out Christians and had them stoned and executed. Right? So he has this past of being a murderer, causing genocide, actually, amongst these people. And yet, he becomes the person that is the greatest movement in the international outside of the Jewish uh, uh, people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Paul. So again, we see this hero who has this dark, painful, shameful, hurtful past can cause him to have an identity that, oh, I am guilty, I am a murderer, I am cold-blooded. I am undeserving. I am whatever, right? And yet, there's no way if his vision, if his tree that he wants to be on was the gospel to the nations, there's no way that he could believe that he is a murderer. And he is this person that should be punished and condemned and, and unlovable, unforgiving. He, can, he cannot believe that story. It would limit him from getting that makes sense, right? But how does Paul overcome it? So I want to go into this a little bit. So we're going to read Philippians, okay? It's very, very, he says, this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Talking about this resurrection, this goal, this vision for his life, this full on suffering. But I focus on this one thing forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And the next verse, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which is his vision, for which God the Christ, Jesus is calling us, is calling, right? His vision, his heavenly prize. He's, he's straining forward. And how does he do that? He forgets the past. And he only looks to the future. And some of us need to just really take a moment to forget the past. Well, Eddie, my past is so traumatic, it's hard for me to forget it. It's hard for me to leave it behind. How do I overcome it? How do I deal with it? Well, how did Paul overcome it? How did Paul overcome it? You think he has this passage or this verse that says in 2 Corinthians? And as a part of his, his, his theology, this is Paul's theology, he believed that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. Remember those I am statements that we had last week? One of them, the one that we want to talk about today is, I am a new creation. I am a new person. I, which means I am not my past. I am not my past. I am not who I am when I did that horrible thing back then. I am not who I am that deserved that horrible thing that happened to me back then. So part of Paul's theology, the part of the story that he tells himself is that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person, is a new creation, and the past is forgotten. And everything is new, and he draws on this. This is again for the nerds here. He draws from Isaiah the prophet, who says this. Isaiah 43, great. Forgetting the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams 
in the wasteland. Again, Isaiah, one of the prophetic signs that God is present is when things in the past are made new. It's not stuck. Things are changing. Things are things are dry. You think that's never going to change? That, that, that land is droughtful? It's famine? No. Guess what? God, He sprouts greenery, vegetation, produce. When we think, wow, how did that happen? He makes it new. It's new soil. It's new elements. That is how we know God is present. And something that you think can never change transforms into something new happens. Okay? Now, this is where, how does he really do that? I think it, I think we clearly see it in his letter to Galatians. Okay? In Galatians chapter 1, he says this, okay? For he talks about his reputation. You know, okay, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. In the Greek, I did my I tried my best. I tried everything to destroy it. Okay? I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Then he says this, okay? But but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Again, a lot of you feel like, okay, something happened. And he's excited. His voice peaked high. What did I miss? Right? Some of you are like, that's the answer? Did I miss it? Okay, it's fine. I'm going to explain it to you. Don't worry. Okay? We go back, right? We go back one. Uh, yes, this is his past. His previous way of life. He persecuted the church. Right? Which means, man, I am just a terrible person. I made a mistake. I am evil. Right? That could be the story that he believes about himself that he's attached to. But the only way for him to preach a message of forgiveness, preach a message of transformation, is he reinterprets his past. He reinterprets his past. Go to the, the verse that we're talking about here. Uh, next one. Oh, sorry. Go, go up. Okay. And he said, from my mother's womb, something that happened in the past, God set me apart for See how, see the slight nuance difference? Instead of he thinks of himself as like, ah, I was just born, like, some, I I shouldn't have been born in that decade, I shouldn't have gone to that school, I should have, you know, transferred uh, Jewish academies, I I never should have gone to that city, I never should have been mentored by that guy. You see where it goes when you interpret your history in one way, in one story? Instead of that, he reinterprets his past and says, no. God set me apart even back then. Which makes him grateful for his past. But doesn't dictate his present and his future. And he says this, this is what? I was personally unknown to the church of Judea, but his fame, the gospel spread even more. You know why? Because all they knew was this. They heard only the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith 
he once tried to destroy. And this spread. And they praise God because of me. Again, he reinterprets the past to change his future. Do you guys remember uh, this guy over here? You guys remember this guy? The Verizon guy? Yeah. I, I, we're a hardcore, loyal Verizon family, okay? Uh, we're found not to be, though. Sorry if Verizon are listening to this on the podcast, okay? Um, anyone work for Verizon here? Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, you remember this guy for a decade? He was the, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And then all of a sudden, this, I'm going to refrain from the language, right? This guy becomes the Sprint guy. Right? He's like, oh my goodness. He, you know, why do you think Sprint did that? Why would Sprint pick the Verizon guy to be the spokesperson and face of their new campaign? Because it's powerful. Right? Because it's powerful. Because everybody knows, wow, that was the Verizon guy. Oh, he's saying you can't hear me now on Verizon, but you can hear me now on Sprint, right? It's a pop, that's silly, okay? But I have to wake people up when they're sleeping, that's why I throw this slide in, okay? It's powerful, okay? It's silly, it's silly, but that is kind of what, what has happened. But Paul, he, he was a Verizon guy, okay? And now he only rocks Sprint, okay? Anyway, so, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is where I want to get to. A lot of us, when we view this, we see it as our past. It's painful. It holds me back. I have PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. But here's the thing. When we look at the, the, the people that we just talked about, the past didn't change. Nothing can change the past. Because you know why? The past, it's in the past. It's gone. We don't have time machine to go back and re- redo it as much as we want to do that and create many movies about you know, cars and hot tubs that can do that. We can't do that. You know, you know what we can't change though? We can only change the interpretation. So it's a good thing. It's a defense mechanism that we have. It's God's grace. 
but as adults, it limits us. It holds us back. It harms us. And if we have vision, if we have callings, and God is always calling and stretching us to something beyond ourselves, then we need a new story. My, my message to you today is that you are not your past. You are not your past. You might say, I am my past. You might you may believe, I am a bad son. I am a bad daughter. I am unworthy. I am dumb. I am, a, I am inadequate. I am whatever. And we believe it. But the past is gone. What we need to do is do the work of reinterpreting that. Because there is, there is more than one interpretation of that past. And I hope and pray that like Paul, we can experience God redeem and reinvent that past. This is my message to you. How do we overcome our past? How do we deal with our past? It's, it's by believing that I am not my past. That my past is something that happened. But what I believe is I am a new creation. I am a new creation. My, my hope and prayer for you is that you believe, you can say this, that I am not my past. I am a new creation. My past doesn't define me. My past propels me. My past is something that happened. My past does not dictate my future. My past is the past. It is not my identity. It is not who I am. I am a new creation. And that is what is so desperately wish and long to call us into. Can you repeat after me? Can we say this as a, a kind of finale to this? Can, can you say, I am not my past. Oh, I can't hear you say, I am not my past. I am not my past. I am a new creation. I am Wants 
God so desperately wants you to know. That's what belief is. That's what faith is. Rejecting God is saying, no, God, I am not an creation. I'm terrible. You don't know me. You can't forgive me. I, I can't believe what you're saying. I am brand new. I reject it. That is what disbelief is. But belief is believing all that God says to you. You are not your past. You are a new creation. Let's pray for God, I desperately pray over the people here today. People who walk in here saying, I am something because of their past. People might say, I am this. I am that. Nothing. And that will never change. But God, I pray that we'll work that our visions, as you are instilling in us, it's causing us to re-question the stories that we tell ourselves of who we are. I pray that we, we will more and more believe in the statement. I pray that I believe more and more in the statement. That I am a person. I am not my past. I am not my mistakes. I am not my failures. I am not my inadequacy. I am not all that society says that I am. I'm not, I'm, I am not what my mother says I am. I am not what my father says I am. I am not what my friends say I am. I am who you say I am. And you say that I am loved. You say I am your child. Thanks for listening, and we want to invite you to stay connected with us. Find us on Instagram at HugChurch or at HugChurch.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this, won't you hit that lovely subscribe button and leave us a comment? We would absolutely love to connect. Until next week, a huge, huge hug from Eddie and myself.